Hi there. Welcome to Semester 6, Episode 10 of the Ivy Wise Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. I'm Tasha, your host for this season. I'm an admissions counselor at Ivy Wise and a former international admission officer at USC and former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. I'm joined today by Nat, a premier Ivy Wise counselor and previous senior assistant director of admissions at NYU and at NYU Abu Dhabi. Hi, Nat. Hi there, Tasha. Thanks for having me today. Thanks so much for coming on the last episode of this semester six of Just Admit It. Oh, this is great. I'm really excited. Yeah. So as listeners know, uh, this season has been about the college admissions rubric, uh, but it's also been uh, an opportunity to take a look at different kind of top colleges and and kind of profile them. So this final episode is our final college profile. And like I said, today we'll be looking at New York University, more commonly known as NYU. So, so Nat, let's hop right in with a simple question. Can you describe an NYU student to me? Yeah, so that that's a tough one because an NYU student is um it can be so many different things and people, but generally speaking, it's someone who's very excited to take advantage of an incredible academic um environment, but also taking advantage and leverage being in, you know, New York City. Right? So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword in that when we get down and we start talking about what NYU was looking for, um, a lot of times what students get from being an NYU student is, is that, you know, in the city, in and of the city experience, but that's not necessarily what will resonate with an NYU reader, but we'll talk more about that later. But um, someone who's adventurous, someone who is comfortable outside their comfort zone, um, someone who is willing to kind of lean into the uncomfortable. That that's a, someone that can be really can thrive at NYU, um, and it's someone who's is probably a little cosmopolitan, or or would like to be aspires to be cosmopolitan, and and you know that that has different definitions. But yeah, an NYU student can be a lot of different people. Um, but I think that the the students that enjoy it the most are the ones that would be able to kind of fit those and check those boxes that I just described before. And what do you mean about uh, stepping outside of their comfort zone? What is it about NYU specifically that uh, necessitates that? Yeah, so I think with the name NYU, when I was a reader there, you get a lot of students who have applied to NYU who just, you know, they have this picture, whether it's from the media, whether it's from books, whether it's from movies of what New York City is like. Uh, and they kind of put it on a pedestal, right? And so they they know that it's going to be um, very different from where they're coming from, from where they're applying from. And I think that's a neat part about NYU is that people, a lot of the, the applicants that I read, they were really up for that challenge of it being so different than home. Maybe they they came from a, a small high school in Iowa or Nebraska, and um, they were choosing NYU because of the name visibility and because of what they, in their mind, pictured New York City and NYU to be like. Um, and that that's a common thread and, and probably not, not an attribute of, of some of the other schools that I've been lucky enough to work for. 
Next question. Can you describe NYU in nuts and bolts as a school? Sure. Yeah. So NYU is the largest private university in the United States. It uh, comprises a number of different colleges within the university banner. So you have different schools, different colleges like Gallatin, like Steinhardt, like Stern School of Business, um, like Tisch School of the Arts. Those are all colleges within the NYU banner. And that's a little bit confusing for a lot of students. They know NYU, but they might see like a Steinhardt sweatshirt or they might see a Tisch sweatshirt. And they're a little bit confused by that. But that kind of craziness, that chaos is part of what NYU is. Um, and it works, you know, that that controlled chaos, we used to use that terminology a lot within the admissions office. Um, it offers a lot of different opportunities for, you know, this interdisciplinary lens, it offers a lot of opportunities for meeting and collaborating with people that are quite different, quite like different learning styles, different academic interests or disciplines. And so you have a lot of this cross-pollination on campus in a, you know, arguably one of the most exciting cities in the world. And so um, NYU, that that's it in, in its kind of nuts and bolts form. Awesome. Thanks, Nat. Okay. So then what is NYU most known for beyond, of course, the city of New York? Although we can keep talking about the city of New York where I'm sitting right now. Sure. So NYU, it depends on who you ask, right? I, I think their visibility in the arts, in the performing arts with the Tisch School of the Arts, um, certainly like the Clive Davis program, um, you know, the internal internal designation, designation was Remu. Um, it's like a recording music program. There's, you know, a few students that kind of go through that program each year and come out as, you know, people that you would know that are some of the top broadcast, you know, stars and, and musicians like Maggie Rogers. There's that really infamous YouTube video of Maggie Rogers with Pharrell, you know, who was a guest teacher, you know, at in the Clive Davis program. And he's listening to her, her, her song, Alaska, I think it was like for the first time. And he's like tearing up. Right. And so NYU is known for that. If you are centered, if you're like art centric, you probably know Tisch School of the Arts. If you're in the finance or business world, or you want to be in those worlds, that world, you probably know it for Stern School of Business, you know, certainly one of the top business schools, undergraduate and MBA, you know, graduate programs, um, you know, in, in the world, right, in terms of visibility, in terms of um, the number of people that have have done well and, and have given back. Um, Stern School of Business is, is certainly a, an incredible place. I, I'm most proud of Stern School's um, what they call their social impact core, you know, it's part of their curriculum is to, to really think about and learn about how they can use business for the greater good and not just business to make a ton of money, but how do you use business to, to really impact the world? Um, and a lot of people don't know that, right? They, they just see core, they just see Stern as like this incredible, you know, type A business, you know, institution, but it's, it's a great place in terms of social justice, right? It's it's a place that's going to advance, you know, how we think about business and what businesses should be doing. And so I'm really proud of that fact. Um, but then, you know, it, it, it's College of Arts and Science is the largest college 
at NYU and and it encompasses so much. You know, I, I think that people would be really disappointed if I didn't talk about the economics program. And there's, you know, some incredible faculty members in in the economics program and in any one of the disciplines in biology and in, in the STEM. It's it's just very, very strong across the board. So I think it's most well known for, you know, that again, that cross-pollination that I was talking about where you can have someone that comes in and, you know, is is studying, you know, in College of Arts and Science, but then you know them because they are a, a star on TV or they were, you know, um, a, a Gallatin grad, but you know them because they're, they're on Broadway or they're creative or um, a movie. So I guess to kind of wrap it up, I, I would say it's probably most known for its influence in the arts, particularly probably the movies and, and film. Um, but that that's kind of a double-edged sword because it should be known for kind of the dynamic nature of, of all of their graduates. So I think you definitely already started to, to answer my next question, but can you tell me more about academics at NYU? Maybe some of the ways that these different individual schools and colleges interact? Yeah, so it is impossible to come to NYU and to graduate from NYU without taking courses at another, you know, another college within NYU. I guess you could technically do it if you were at College of Arts and Science, um, but I would venture to guess that no one has done it, right? No one has just stayed within College of Arts and Science. So when you are an NYU student, you have the entire catalog is open to you. So you have literally thousands and thousands upon thousands of courses open to you from really big name faculty members. Um, and one of the things that NYU prides itself on, um, prides themselves on is, is that the, the, the big name faculty folks, you know, the, 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 the big researchers, they all want to, and they all have to teach at the undergraduate level. So you have, you know, a big name faculty member, but they, they will have to teach, right? There's just very few faculty members that that are just there for research. Um, and, you know, you have big names that, uh, you know, in, in talking to the students when I was a admissions officer, you know, they'd go and they'd go to an apartment of a famous author who was, you know, guest, you know, lecturer, um, and they would be able to hang out with that person and, and have, have dinner with that person. And so things that you, you, Think couldn't happen at a large, you know, at the largest private university in the U.S. Um, you you do you you have the opportunity to have close relationships with faculty. Um, not everyone, you know, will take advantage of that. That that's just not the center of gravity for NYU. But the students that want that, they certainly have that. And then I can speak to NYU as a graduate student. It was an incredible experience as a graduate student. I I graduated from Steinhardt. Um, and that um, I, I have my master's in in uh, higher ed student affairs, and the, the you know the faculty, the professors, the mentorship that I received there was just it was incredible, um, second to none, really top top notch. And I'm I'm so thankful for my experience as a graduate student and the work that I got to do, and and the work and and the communication that I still have with those professors. That's probably not you know, the, the center of gravity for the undergraduate experience where you have professors keeping in touch with, with students, but, but it does happen. It does happen. And that, that shouldn't be a surprise. And, and anyone coming to NYU should, should know that they can have 
close relationships with their professors if they want to. That's great. And thanks so much for for sharing some personal uh, experience there too. All right. So beyond the classroom, of course, we always want to hear about what's going on beyond the classroom. We know we're in the city of New York. What other things are our students getting up to beyond academics? Can you tell us about student life and extracurricular opportunities? Yeah, this is one of the areas where I could have really focused on student life and extracurricular activities as one of the distinctions of NYU. Um, NYU is one of the largest employers in New York City. And with that comes tremendous leveraging power. And so there is a big discount for NYU faculty, staff, anyone in the NYU community. There's there's discounts to Broadway shows, to movies, to museums, to a lot of different attractions in the city. Um, there's a really cool website that you can kind of log into and you can kind of get tickets at really, really cheap. Um, like I remember back in you know 2010, you can get like $6 Mets tickets and like the Yankees were a little bit more expensive because they were, you know, a better team at that time. You could get, you know, $20 Broadway tickets and, and you know, $15 movie tickets or, you know, an opening night. And so there were really cool opportunities that, that for, for a lot of college students would could be cost prohibitive, but because again, NYU is leveraging their, I guess, institutionality and 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 how big of a of force they are within the city. Um, it was nice to have that that as a discount. So, in addition to taking advantage of everything that New York City had to offer, um, there were just every club and organization that you could think of. And, and the, you know, the parting line that you hear at every college, right. Is like, if you don't find your club here, like you could start it. Um, but they're just really cool opportunities. I, I remember one time when I was at NYU um, working in the office and I know at the time there was, and I, I was part of some clubs, you know, as a graduate student, I was part of the surfing club and they would go to Rockaway. And, um, but I was also, um, on the email list for the chicken and rice club, which is at the time it was the most popular club. It had the most number of students that were on the email list. And so if you needed to decipher information, if you needed to kind of, you know, spread the word about something, you, if you could get to the, you know, the executive board of the chicken and rice club, you you could email out, you know, the, the vast majority of the student body. And that, that club was basically, a club that would have funds to kind of go around as a group and kind of taste, you know, different chicken and rice and, you know, carts around New York city and, and kind of have conversations and, and, and around food and food carts in New York city. So um, even though, you know, it might not have been the most popular in terms of the number of people going to events, it was at the time, the most popular in terms of the number of kids on the email list. So um, really incredible student life opportunities and and their student center, Kimmel Center is overlooks Fifth Avenue. It overlooks the park. It's, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. So just a really cool place to, to be a student or a staff member for that matter. Wow. Never underestimate the power of having access to a large listserv of your peers. That's incredible. Uh, also, I could imagine they could go on field trips all over the city to the outer boroughs, Queens, Brooklyn. There's a lot of chicken and rice to be had in New York. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Queens, you know, Queens is the best food, right? So 
For sure. Uh, well, I love that. But uh, without further ado, I am going to transition a little bit to talking about the application process since we have an expert here, Nat, to, to, to kind of walk us through it. So we've learned a little bit about NYU, NYU students, what sets them apart, academics. But now, what is NYU looking for in applicants, Nat? Oh, that's awesome. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm sidestepping any of these awesome questions, but it really depends on which school you're talking about. And, and this, again, points back to the dynamic nature of NYU. If you're looking at Tisch School of the Arts, it is very much portfolio-based or, or audition-based, right? Most of the time, audition-based. So if you have a really strong audition or a really strong portfolio for given program, you know, that is going to be the most important picture of the puzzle. Um, and oftentimes I would talk about it as like, oh, it's, you know, equally weighted. Like if this, it's like 50-50. Um, but as a reader, you wouldn't even read applicants unless they had, you know, like a one-rated portfolio or one-rated audition, right? And those kids usually made it in. Like very, very few times would they not make it in. Um, but if you're looking at College of Arts and Science, that college has to be a lot more quantitative uh, in terms of the numbers. You know, NYU, you know, part of the nuts and bolts of it is that it does not have, you know, a an endowment that you would expect, you know, for how visible of a school it is in the world. You know, it, it actually, I would argue that it has the second, you know, most modest endowment, right? The only one that's probably more modest than NYU's is Georgetown University's in terms of, you know, the top, top schools, and I'm using air quotes, right? The top schools that we think of, Georgetown has a really palsy um, endowment. And so that means an endowment per student that, you know, that is is hurtful, right? It, like you, you, you're you confined by that. So I I bring this up because what, what that means is that NYU is looking for metrics because they have to borrow a lot of money, right? They just opened like this huge, beautiful, beautiful new, academic facility um, right across from where the Clive Davis program is. And they needed to borrow millions and millions and millions of dollars. And in order to do that, they needed average test scores and average GPAs to go up because they needed their bond rating to go up because that meant that their interest rate when they borrowed was going to be better. So if you're applying a college of arts and science, you need some big, big test scores. You need some big, big GPAs. It's certainly the same for Stern, right? But if you are applying to kind of the one of the more kind of, I don't want to say forgiving, but like Steinhardt, I'm a Steinhardt grad. Steinhardt is going to look for fit, right? They they have they have the education program. They have, um, you know, a lot of different programs that are kind of in the helping professions there. And um, they're going to be able to not look at test scores as much, right? And, and even some of the programs there are going to be test blind, like Tish is now test blind. And, and so, there's a nice mix of the ability to look for the right applicant in terms of, you know, um, attentional style. And then there's that other side that's the, the more like the right applicant means like big test scores, you know, and, you know, big GPAs and no red flags. Um, that does well at NYU in some of the schools where sometimes like being, you know, a really good fit does well at some of the colleges within NYU. 
Great. And I, and I think it's okay. I think most students are probably used to that. It depends answer uh, is very, very common <laughs> uh, because it does often depend on lots of different factors. So thank you for, for breaking that down, Nat. All right. So how can a prospective student actually apply to NYU? Uh, what are some of the basic requirements and what are the different application types? Since I know that schools have many, many different offerings in terms of early, not early, regular, all of those things. Yeah. So when we're thinking about application types, rounds, you know, it's early decision, um, round one, early decision, round two, and then regular decision. Those are the three as of right now that they have slated, you know, on, and they use a common app, common application. Um, as far as testing, you know, NYU has been in a really interesting place. They were, they weren't test optional, but they were kind of test flexible, um, a number of years before the pandemic. And even when I was there and working for NYU Abu Dhabi, we were kind of test flexible where you could submit like three AP scores or your IB predicted scores or some form of testing. Um, and we would consider that as part of like the standardized testing part. They still have that. It's not as heavily marketed because now you have test optional. So kids and applicants tend to kind of just either submit their test scores or not submit their, their SAT scores or ACT scores. Um, but really those are the ways and, um, and I, and I think basically if we're we're talking about you know the the ways into NYU um I saw this right before my eyes while I was working there and then shortly after I I left um but NYU now you know they're among the largest percentage enrolled in ED right you have places like Vandy and Duke and NYU you know NYU is consistently above 60%, 61% of the class enrolled in early decision. So if the question is like, what's my best chance of NYU, you know, like how can I show demonstrated interest? It's being in that ED1 pool. Um, and I, I specifically remember reading ED2 kids. ED2 is a smaller pool. It is at most schools, but it is a really powerful pool. You know, it's stern. You'd get so many perfect test scores and, you know, maybe kids that were, you know, in the IV restricted early action, or, you know, potentially probably Penn Wharton school of business that, you know, just didn't make the cut there. And NYU would, you know, will get inundated with perfect test scores in ED2. Um, and so it, it, it's similar to a lot of schools that have ED2 where the ED2 pool tends to be stronger in, in kind of the quantitative metrics. Um, but ED1 is, it's your best chance of getting in. Um, and then keep in mind that, you know, there are some, some schools where, you know, like liberal studies, you know, right now colleges only have to report test scores and GPAs for students starting in four-year programs on campus, right? So liberal studies or global liberal studies, those are two programs that potentially start abroad or liberal studies is a technically a two-year program. So if you have a lower test score, you apply directly to liberal studies, like NYU, it doesn't hurt NYU's bond rating to accept you, right? If you're a good fit and you, you know, you have some other things that are going for you, like you can be very competitive in liberal studies, ED1, um, you know, even test optional. So, um, but generally speaking, it's, it is a quantitative place, you know, where like, at, especially at College of Arts and Science at Stern, um, and then for fit place, you know, fit based, you know, you, you're talking about Steinhardt and even like Preston Robert Tisch, you know, like the schools that 
that have like sports management and things like that. Great. Thank you. Um, I think you're right. You know, the, the early decision conversation is a tough one uh, because you want to make sure that you are definitely committed and you definitely want to go. Uh, but also in, in many cases really uh, is a huge, huge way to show demonstrate interest. So just want to co-sign that uh, on what Nat just said. All right. So does anything stand out about NYU's application requirements? Is there anything um, kind of out of the ordinary or uh, is it is it pretty bread and butter? And then can you talk to us about testing uh, requirements as well? Yeah, so NYU has really used a, kind of the testing, the test optional as, as most schools, most kind of top tier schools have used test optional to really increase their number of applications. I think this past year they were above 120,000 applications, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, we were at like 44,000 in 2010, I think 46,000 in like 2011. So for it to be, you know, more than double that, um, um, you know, really almost triple that, um, it's a sign of the times. And, and the test optional piece is certainly um, part of that. Keep in mind that there are some schools where you know that the Tisch School of Arts is like for some of the programs they're they're, they're need they're test blind they're they're not going to look at your test scores and that makes sense because they're going to be really portfolio or audition based um, but colleges still need in order to compete in the, among the rankings right like they still need fifty percent of their enrolled student body to have a test score so that means if you're not submitting a test score to College of Arts and Science like you're at a disadvantage right and 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 it's hard you can't technically say they can't say you're at a disadvantage for not submitting a test score, but, but I'll say it, they can't say it, but I'll say it. And so you, you have a big, big advantage by submitting a big test score that would help them um, because some of their schools can't submit test scores or won't look at test scores. So then that you have to really lean in on the schools that will, you know, need a test score for, for a lot of the applicants, the ap applicants from, you know, more affluent backgrounds, applicants from, you know, socioeconomic, um, or educational backgrounds that are, you know, that would be, that should be testing and should be testing in a large, you know, large numbers. So um, that is probably, it doesn't stand out. I don't think that's that much different than a lot of the, you know, kind of elite schools right now, but that can get lost in the weeds because there are just so many different colleges within NYU. What are NYU's essay supplements? This is a good question because they only have one. And it makes it really tough, you know, when you only have one. And, and this year's, this past year, it was it was newer um, for students, and it was a it was a diversity centric, diversity lens question. How is your diverse experience? How will that add to the community? Um, and it's a little bit of a curveball because it's hard to kind of show your love for NYU, and that's why, I mean, the best way to show your love for NYU is to be in the ED one pool, right? And so I think that yeah, readers can kind of take take what they're reading and, and, um, and, you know, they, they take it with a grain of salt. I, I don't think it's as important as it was in the past. I think that they needed, you know, they candidates that would have been able to articulate like a really strong sense of diversity and its importance would have, would have helped. It would have helped them certainly. But in the past, it has been more about like why NYU, right. In in kind of paraphrasing it, and there, it was much more about they wanted NYU specifics and not New York City specifics. So this goes back to kind of what I was saying at the beginning, where a lot of students are attracted to NYU because of its location and its, 
you know, juxtaposition with New York City. But then in the admissions process, readers, like we were trained to not really look at or not, you know, like if you were talking about New York City too much, that wasn't as attractive to us as a reader as if you were talking about programmatic NYU things like the social impact core, like, you know, um, different clubs and organizations, like specific professors, like things like that. And so this past year's diversity question kind of threw a curveball into that. Um, and I think, you know, I, I had a lot of students that do that did very well on that. Um, but, you know, you, you, you have to really, again, when you're going to New York City, you know, where in the public school system in New York City, you have every language is represented. And New York City is arguably, you know, the most diverse place in the world, in the world, right? And so you you want to be able to leverage that. Um, and so I'm glad and I'm impressed that they that they had a, you know, a, a question that would kind of let their applicants know that it's it's important to them. So I think, you know, we've already talked about how prospective students should demonstrate interest to further engage, uh, you know, the main, main way being through early decision, Nat, as you said. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, you know, I think in general, right, like the general advice about NYU, it's it's a super compelling institution. Um, I loved my experience as a student. I think that I am very, very hesitant to recommend it. And nor do I recommend it for students that need um, a lot of financial aid um, and that would qualify for need-based financial aid. NYU has not done as good of a job as it should. Um, I think they're doing the best that they can. I know they're doing the best that they can, but even like Tasha, like where you've worked, BU has now, they they now meet, you know, full need. NYU is not quite there yet. Um, when I was there, on average, we were meeting about 39% of need, and the packages were not good. They were mostly loans. And so I remember being on NYU's campus, meeting with the five heads of the you know five different affinity groups. Um, they were all female, right? Females are rocking you know leadership roles at NYU, um, and they all, all of them, had over $100,000 of loans to pay off. In fact, one of them had over $200,000 of loan to pay off after graduation. Um, and that's a crippling amount of of debt to have. I know that they are now NYU is now meeting a little bit more than forty percent of demonstrated need. Um, and I've seen some students actually get pretty good packages at NYU. Um, but it uh, you know it's it's a curveball and and it's it's an X factor. Um, it is based on like the the financial aid algorithm was based on kind of your test scores and your GPA. Um, and the, you know, the, the best case scenario, it was still not going to meet 100% of need. Right. And it's certainly like there are schools out there that will meet hundred percent of need and will have no loan. So even if NYU was meeting hundred percent of need or getting close to it, it was going to give you a ton of loan and very, very little grant. And so general words of advice, like, I don't know if it's worth it, if you're going to come away with a lot of debt. So I'm not saying don't apply, but really, really consider it because I think right now, especially in the landscape and especially how things are, 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 you know, playing out with, you know, after graduation, you have to really think twice if is NYU worth it to graduate with debt. I don't, I don't know if there's any institution, you know, in, in higher ed that's worth it to graduate with the amount of debt that is potentially possible when you graduate from NYU. Now, if you don't need financial aid, if you're lucky enough to be in that boat, um, then 
I think it can be, you, you have definitely more likelihood that it's going to be an incredible, incredible dynamic institution for you. Absolutely. And, and to end, uh, you know, back to NYU and, and thinking on a high note of like all that it has to offer, Nat, can you tell me about your favorite place on campus and why? Yeah, certainly. I, I, Kimmel Center is like the student center. Um, the top floor or one of the top floors, like the fifth floor, even the seventh floor, just an overview, like overlooked um, Washington Square Park. You could see like kind of down Fifth Avenue. Um, it's just a really beautiful space. Um, and then towards the end, there was like a new building that was coming up that was, you know, from kind of the the it, it was like a Middle Eastern studies building and it had this really kind of cool um Muslim based kind of motif to the to the outside of the building. There's just even though you're on in the city, you know, um you can be really affected and and inspired by spaces. Um, and that the, you know, Kimmel center was one of my favorite spaces on campus. Um, and I loved kind of taking students there or taking prospective families there when I had the opportunity to, because it was just, um, you can picture yourself, you could kind of like overlook, you know, look, look out into this big, big window and kind of see yourself. And it was, it was really cool. There's just very, very few places, you know, in the city where you have that view. Um, and that, that would probably be my favorite place on campus. Awesome. So with that, we're just going to wrap up this episode and this season of Just Admit It. We'll be back with semester seven this September, but for now it's time to take summer break, much needed for us all. There's lots you can do in the meantime, though, to keep learning about college admissions and preparing for the process. For example, you can catch up on all of our previous episodes, six whole seasons, by visiting our podcast page, and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive admissions process. If there's any topics you'd like us to cover in the next semester, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com. And don't forget to follow us on socials for more resources on the higher ed landscape. You can find us at follow IvyWise. Thank you so much, Nat, for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, Tasha. Of course. So from IvyWise, I'm your host, Tasha, and this has been semester six of Just Admit It. Have a great summer and we'll catch you in the fall.